0: My name is Jacob Stoops.
1: And I'm Jeff Luella.
0: And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast.
1: This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry.
0: We chronicle the real-life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In the final episode of 2020, we talk with Mr. Luke Carthy, an e-commerce growth consultant and founder of Afro Drops, an online store featuring products for natural Afro and curly hair care. We discuss Luke's background where he worked at an electronics retailer transitioning into selling HDMI cables on eBay and how that helped him develop a love for e-commerce which eventually led him to SEO. We discuss how he landed his first major speaking gig at an SEO conference and what it's like becoming known in the SEO space. We also talk at length about diversity and representation specifically within the hair care industry, which led him to the founding of his company Afro Drops. We talk about what it's like founding a business during COVID, entrepreneurship and side hustling while still doing SEO by day. In our deep dive, we get into a little post-holiday SEO as well as general e-commerce SEO strategy, answer this week's Twitter questions in which we give away our biggest prize ever, a page two podcast hoodie. So get your eggnog and holiday cookies ready, cozy up by a nice fire and settle into your post-holiday R&R with another awesome episode as we tell Luke's SEO story. Everybody, this is Jacob Stoops, senior. Uh, SEO manager at Search Discovery. back with episode number fifty nine. Our uh, I'll just call it our Christmas holiday special uh, episode because when uh, you know when uh, you as the audience listen to this, it is gonna be the week of Christmas and uh, or whatever you celebrate Hanukkah, whatever the case may be. Uh, and uh, you know we're we're right in the swing of uh, of the holidays. And I'm joined, of course, by. Mr. Al Borland, a.k.a. Jeff Luella, senior t- senior technical SEO or just technical SEO at the Wirecutter, uh, which is a division of the New York Times. How's it going, Jeff?
1: Hey, howdy, hey.
0: It's going hey, good. howdy. Hey, uh, I am actually in a in a great mood. And I'll tell you, I'll right. tell you why that is. This has been the best I've actually felt in, in the most like positive I've felt in a long time. And you know why? It's because today is actually my first day of PTO for the rest of the year, so I am I am home free uh, into the home nice. stretch, and I'm uh, I'm doing some victory laps uh, right now. Uh, but here in a minute, we're gonna we're gonna talk about maybe why I shouldn't be doing victory laps, and one of those reasons is because <laughs> uh, Jeff has brought it to my attention that his daughter is crushing us in terms of number of YouTube subscribers.
1: Yeah, more than double. I right, know about double. So,
0: yes. So Jeff's daughter, for those that, uh, and obviously we haven't talked about it. So Jeff's daughter is 10 years old, right? Yes. And she has how many?
1: <laughs> I think she's around 68. Um, the last time I looked. So oh, uh, she goodness. is, she is learning animation and she has like this dragon character that she animates. Um, yeah. The animations average about three seconds, <laughs> um, but somehow she has like 200 of them up there and you know she's crushing it.
0: Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's your, it, what I, cause I want to speak directly to, to your daughter. What's your daughter's first name Oh, uh, Reagan Reagan. We're coming, we're coming after you. Okay. We're coming <laughs> strong with 35 subscribers. We've been adding like one per day, which is like, we've got no subscribe, <laughs> no subscribers. And you know why? Uh, because we always, always forget and, and my kids would, Quite honestly, they would they would make a lot of fun of me because they're very conditioned to the YouTube and YouTube kids. It's basically what they what they watch all the time. And they are very conditioned. They say it all the time as they're watching videos. Subscribe, hit the notifications to watch our videos. So we always forget to say that. We're saying that now. We would love to have more than 35 subscribers. Now that doesn't mean that uh, other people want to be seeing more of our beautiful faces, but I don't care uh, if you can help us uh, increase the level of subscribership. Uh, we're asking for your help. We're in a dogfight fight here with Jeff's daughter and we need all the help we can get, yeah. get us over that. Like, get us over 68. At least. The
1: podcast part does all right. It's the YouTube part. That's well, it's, you know, know. it's like
0: no one listens. Right. We just started the YouTube channel this year. So. Well, yeah, we did. So That's that. And and I do want to, before we bring on our guest, who is a super, super awesome guest, uh, I do want to talk about how I know that despite the fact that we've only got 35 subscribers, we've made it. And that is because we had our first YouTube troll this week, uh, which I actually thought was funny. I, I am in... In no way, other than the fact that this person, uh, slight well, not slightly, they definitely insulted us. Uh, I do not want to stand for people insulting uh, our guests. I don't so much care about myself, uh, but I did, uh, I did kind of take it uh, as as a little bit funny, and I'm going to laugh at it. I'm going to laugh at it now, <laughs> now um, because this person. Uh, said a very not nice thing. So after we posted our last episode with Claire Carlisle, which was an awesome episode, Claire is, Claire is super awesome. We got the following comment, uh, and I deleted it. So this is not uh, not verbatim. But we were basically told that the last episode was the worst episode that they have ever listened to, and we were actually called guru tards. Uh, and not only that, and I don't know what that is, or at least I didn't. Uh, And they made the very kind suggestion that we go look it up on Urban Dictionary, which I did. Once I did, I figured out, oh, that's that's not very nice. Uh, And (laughs) I uh, politely, uh, maybe not so politely, responded to this person, asked them how their podcast is going oh, right, they probably don't have a podcast. Uh, and, and that's not me trying. Actually, that is me trying to be a dick. So, uh, but it's not nice. I basically told them, like, didn't your mother teach you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, that's what I live by, right? So there's no need to be a jerk. If you like our podcast, that is awesome. If you don't like our podcast, go F yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't claim, we don't claim to be gurus, right? Right make it well no we don't know everything so if, if you're coming to this podcast expecting uh you know the, the uh a brian dean or a neil patel or tim sulo and all of those people do except maybe neil do great things um that's that's not us that's <laughs> i never claimed to be the, the to, to be the you know well, the, the whole
1: the whole insult was that you know we're trying to make money off of things that we don't know much about but i think it's kind of the opposite
0: Um, oh let me tell you like we've been giving away stuff uh, and we're operating literally on a budget of zero so like we're not making any money this is completely a passion project so
1: yeah so I think you got us wrong there and you know we've been doing this for a long time so I think uh, we wouldn't have positions if we didn't uh, (laughs) you know if we we weren't uh, have some knowledge in the industry itself so some I'm not still going to call myself a
0: guru ever (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, all right. So let's bring on our guest who has been patiently waiting for us to have this uh, this conversation in the background. So our guest this week uh, is Mr. Luke Carthy. Luke, welcome.
2: Hey, gentlemen. Thank you so much for uh, having me on.
0: Oh yeah we are we are very excited. And uh, I honestly, as we were planning this this podcast. I actually wish because uh, holiday is um, it is such a great time to be talking e-commerce, which we're definitely going to talk about today. And you know, I was thinking about this episode, and it and it dawned on me that like the time to make holiday optimizations has long since long since passed in terms of having impact for holidays. And I was like, man, we should have just had Loop on like three months ago or four months ago <laughs> when most, when, you know, when most companies actually start like executing on their holiday strategy. So bad on me. So what we're going to talk about today, besides Luke's, uh, Luke's background, of course, is his company is, of course, we're going to talk about e-commerce, but we're also going to talk about what happens after holiday, right? Um, so that is definitely uh, as important as, uh, not as important, but can be as important uh, as kind of what happens during so that you can preserve gift cards. Yeah. Gift cards. (laughs) So we are going to talk a little bit about that and we've got, Uh, Some great Twitter questions. Uh, Got uh, just like last week, a lot of of really great uh, submissions. And uh, by the way, we are giving away our biggest prize yet, which is a page two podcast hoodie. Uh, It won't get to you by Christmas. So sorry about that. But you're going to get a hoodie nonetheless. And I can attest uh, the hoodies are really, really comfortable. Really comfortable. And by the way. Uh, repping, repping the podcast here with a nice, uh, nice page two podcast t-shirt. But Jeff, you've got to show your t-shirt because it's really freaking funny. It's making it rain. Making it rain. Santa really Claus. Funny. And I'm then some <laughs> of that money. And then I will say because of the, uh, I couldn't actually fit a Santa hat on my giant freaking head. We've got an elf on the shelf hanging out here in the background. So he knows He's if just you're naughty or nice. Yeah, he wanted to be on the podcast. Uh, his name is Herbie, uh, after Rudolph, who's the elf, in that was named Hermy. So his name's Herbie. He's just hanging out, listening, listening in. So before we get into Luke's background, because I definitely want to stop talking uh, I want to hear more from from Luke uh, we do want to do our live read again we've been doing this now for probably the last five episodes because we do think it uh, is really important and it's something that is very near and dear to our heart uh, and that live read is for United search so here we go So are you looking to break into SEO conference speaking, but not sure how? Are you feeling that you are not well represented within the current SEO speaking circuit and want to change that? We at the Page Two podcast would like to take the opportunity to let users know about United Search, a new organization and first of its kind SEO speaker accelerator dedicated to ending the implicit bias in SEO that keeps BIPOC, LBGTQIA, and women in the margins of our industry. Their credo diverse SEO equals better SEO. United Search offers mentoring advice from people with real world practical SEO experiences in order to give students the skills they need to be able to deliver an amazing presentation on any stage and the network they need to land gigs all at no cost to the student. How does this work? Well, it's pretty simple. United Surge connects a cohort of the best pitches they can source with the top mentors in their subject matter. After working with their mentors to develop their talk, they will host a live stream event where students get to present to SEO experts and receive positive constructive feedback. Graduates of this SEO Accelerator will get the benefit of top-notch mentorship, public speaking training, a video reel, lots of positive feedback, as well as a foot in the door to help find and land speaking gigs and access to an amazing community of SEO professionals. What does this mean for our podcast? As a sponsor and advocate, we're committed to regularly showing stats that illustrate our commitment to diversity on this podcast. And we've made a pledge to diversify, meaning that 60% of our guests will come from underrepresented groups, uh, including women, BIPOC, BAME, LGBTQIA, as well as representation from people with disabilities and those who are 55 and older. If this sounds of interest to you, visit unitedsearch.org to learn more about becoming a student or mentor or visit them on Twitter at search underscore united. That was the first time I've gotten through that without a major slip up. Jeff, I'm leaving the podcast. It's over. I've got uh, a radio offer right in my right in my inbox. There it is. You're on it. Part of NPR. Boom. Boom. Okay. Luke. All right, so let's talk about your origin story. Um, who are you for those that don't know you? And take us take us through your your career from you know from the the early part of it, kind of all the way up to to now.
2: Yeah, sure, no problem. So um, yeah, my name's Luke. Nice and clear. <laughs> but uh, origin story. So um, for me, it kind of started. Um, off the back of my first job slash end of school, um, where I worked at an electrical retailer, so Curry's. Oh, you guys don't have a Curry's over in the US, but kind of like Best Buy or something like that. And uh, to kind of show my age right now, I was working there at the age where the big CRT cathode ratio TVs are like 40, 50 kilos a piece, were just transitioning out and the whole plasma and LCD wall was just kicking off. So there was this huge um, technology Change this switch from SD to HD, Sky HD had just broken out and all that kind of stuff. So I found a huge opportunity um, in the world of HD my cables. So those things were like gold, right? You know, you remember back in the days where like a one meter HD cable was like $100 and everyone was to say the 24 karat gold, triple gold plate, you know, all of that good stuff. So I thought, you know what? Yeah. There's a lot of markup in this because we had the sales reports. We always used to be told to sell the, the Belkin. Top of the line, 24k, HDMI my cable, at $150 or whatever. So anyway, long story short, um, went to Alibaba, started doing some research, found a supplier, um, and just got into selling components and peripherals and HD stuff on eBay. And that was for me my first first taste of um of e-commerce, you know, getting that buzz, that kick when you sell something, uh, and that whole, you know, kind of that's where really for me it started. So um 17 then and it just kind of that was probably where everything started to snowball because i'm selling stuff and i want to understand why you know what are people searching for how to optimize my listings i was experimenting with free delivery versus you know three dollars cheaper three pounds cheaper with charge delivery um different images different copy using something called uh, Terapeak, um which doesn't exist anymore but it was like the og uh, keyword research tool for uh, for ebay back then um, and I think Therapy got bought officially by by, uh, by eBay, and they've kind of absorbed it into this into this platform suite. But that was where optimization, enhancement, looking at competitors, um, buying paid space, uh, and sponsoring my own ads—all that kind of stuff—really kind of came from, and it just grew from there. So a year on, I've sold about 150 um, thousand pounds worth of, of HDMI cables, and I thought, right, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I want to focus on. And, um, yeah, I think it was just kind of getting your hands dirty, you know, and getting a flavor and a taste for what e-commerce is really about. That's what did it for me.
0: And, you know, once you kind of, uh, you know, you got that, you got that taste kind of, how did you progress in, in your career? Right. You know, obviously, you know, now you're kind of out, you know, out on your own as a, as a consultant. But, you know, where, where did you... Where did you go after after that? Uh, did you have any you know experience in in agency life, or have you kind of just always been you know out on out on your own?
2: Yeah, so I think when you're at that kind of age um, where you kind of got to take a path where you go to higher education through college or um, or university or whatever. For me, uh, the academic route wasn't for me. Um, I, I tried it; it, it didn't really work out too, too good for me. And I knew that I had the experience. I had the credentials, been able to sell stuff. So for me, that was kind of like my favorite. So I ended up applying for a job at a marketing agency, um, small agency uh, with about five or six people. And then really got to kind of hone my, my technical skills, work on SEO, work on account management, the sales process, um, how much you should charge, the, the, the tenders and everything else, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and that was my real kind of foot in the door that all important first proper job if you like to get that experience because we all know how it is out there first job it's kind of like you've got to have experience but how do you get experience if no one's going to give you the job right so yep. for me to get that it was kind of getting my hands dirty with ebay and kind of saying hey look okay so i haven't worked in seo before i haven't worked in um in with seo tools before but hey you know i can turn it for money because i can show you how i did it i can talk you through my passion and what i believe in and what i love so that for me was what got me the job i believe Um, And then it just snowballed. I just kind of grew in advance beyond that. I moved to um, different brands like Caterpillar, um, into Pharmaceutical. And then before you know it, you blink and you're kind of, you know, you fast forward to now. Um, But really, I think, you know, for anyone that's listening, that's kind of thinking about jumping into SEO or jumping into their passion, get your hands dirty. You know, we live in a world now where you can literally set up an e-commerce store with next to nothing, like a... Within a 60-day free trial of Shopify, you could be selling online. Um, so just play around. You know, pick some tools, get a free or cheap server from from HostGator or something like that. Pick up a weak site, just start messing around with code, um, break stuff, build stuff, learn quick, um, because that's what recruiters, that's what people are looking for. You know, um, doesn't mean that academia is not important. But when I don't want to come across as someone who's like anti-education, um, but as we already know, you know, when someone's looking for someone uh, or hiring it's always that kind of determination, that curiosity, that ability to kind of get stuff done rather than the academia. Obviously the academia helps, but you've got to really kind of live and bring that environment.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. We we talk a lot about the traditional education path and how for uh, traditional marketing it works, right? Um And, you know, in our conversation, the, the example I like to give, uh, in comparison to other professions versus SEO is like you, when you, when you get out of high school, right. You're expected, uh, in a lot of places to move on, to either move on to, to go work or go to college, right. There's really, really two places, uh, to, to go. And a lot of times, like those two things: you either go to work and you're in the workforce forever, or you go to college so that you can prepare for your for your adult job, right? And you go to college, and let's say you go to college to be a dentist. You come out and you're a damn dentist. Uh, in fact, I you know I was just interviewing somebody somebody yesterday. By the way, uh, if you want to work for Search Discovery, we do have an SEO role open. Um, Anyways, we were talking a little bit about that, uh, you know, where you, you go to college for marketing and you come out and it's not like other jobs in in SEO. There's no school that just just teaches you SEO. And it's not to say that there's not utility in learning general marketing. There absolutely is. And those people, in some respects, come out more well prepared to think holistically. But, you know, if they come out and they're given an SEO job, my experience has been more often than not. They're just not quite ready to be on the front lines quickly uh, in the SEO space, which is is weird. And we always talk about like almost nobody intends to get into SEO. It's more like you fell into it from some other place. And, and honestly, that's why we do the podcast, because it's I find those origin stories fascinating yeah. um, in terms of where people... Uh, have come in so I guess my my question for for you is you know with your experience you kind of you said you dabbled in kind of the a- academia um, why didn't that why do you feel like that didn't work
2: for you um I think it's just the way that I learn if I'm honest like um I've always been the kind of person that learns through uh, kind of just getting stuck in like reading books the theory uh, is one thing but for me i've got to really practice and repeat read and repeat that same process until i actually get it so you know for example um me in school never got on too well i did okay um but it's because i never was able i could never kind of identify how you use that theory in practice and until then um it doesn't really click for me Just to give you a perfect example i was at university studying computer networks and security um, just because I don't like the sound of the course. I had no plans to kind of be a network engineer or anything like that. But long story short, I was, one of the modules was Visual Basic, and VB.net and didn't get it. I just could not understand the language had totally frustrated me. And I thought, why do we need to learn this? Like. From what I understand, computer networks doesn't use VB in the first instance anyway. It's like, you know, everyone's got their own paint, Cisco have their own system. Um, normally it's IP tools and, and you know, diagnostic tools and stuff like that. So I was kind of baffled by it. But when I got into building websites and just kind of poking around, I then understood where things like PHP and CSS came into it. And I could see, you know, my car started turning and oh, this does that, that works, and Inspect Element and poking around with this and the console. And that's where you kind of got that application um, combined with the theory. And that's what really helps me. So like you said earlier, um, no one really kind of says, I want to be an SEO. uh, Unless maybe someone read an inspirational book. But normally it kind of starts with you have a problem um, or you're in a particular challenge and then SEO can help you fix it. So in my case on eBay, it's kind of like, right, I'm selling stuff how are people getting to my listing? How can I get more people to see my listing or buy more of my product? And that was for me when I realized that SEO is, is a thing, but it was because I wanted to solve a problem, not because I wanted to become an SEO. Um, and that I think has kind of fed my other passions of conversion optimization, analytics and insights and all that sort of good stuff. But um, that personally how I learn is kind of like reverse engineering a situation. Someone gave me a book without that context, I'm not going to soak it in. But if you kind of give me um, a problem and I have to find ways of solving that problem, then I'm much more likely to retain that information um, because I've got context, right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And Jeff, uh, I guess, uh, I feel like you and Luke come from very similar Backgrounds. Uh, you both worked so, at technology stores. So, were you uh, ever uh, selling so I, those HDMI cables? <laughs> I, I, I did. I so I did work for Best
1: Buy,
2: <laughs> um,
1: and and it we were non commissioned but there was a big push to sell like. You know all those accessories and and i was maybe a little bit earlier before you so we hdmi wasn't out we had like parallel with well, a parallel cables for printers yeah. and you had a special <laughs> printer cable you had a special and then of course you always had the gold the gold-plated ones which were 10 times the amount and, and also had to sell those warranties um yeah. but <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it, it, the same man. but from that like i, I learned a lot and, and i was actually able um i got my first kind of um, HTML job. I, I was learning HTML and, and doing stuff like that and had a customer come in and I showed him my wife, pulled it up on the Best Buy computer, showed him my work and he offered me a job right there. So, um, so oh, Best shit. Buy got me into the world of, you know, marketing and I was doing more dev work at that time. But, uh, and, and it's interesting. I, I kind of worked the same way that you do where I, if you asked me, like, if I talked to someone who went to school for computer sciences, like they would probably understand everything that's, um you know the real wording of what everything is but uh i've learned on my own so like sometimes i sit in meetings with developers and i'm like i know how to do this i just might not be able to explain it to you the way that you can explain it to me because i mine was more of like I had it. Uh, it's something I had to do. I needed to uh, start a new email newsletter for my you know, website, so I needed to learn to code to go under the page for the newsletter. And learning that when I send this newsletter out, it looks really bad on Outlook, but it looks fine on Gmail. Like, what's the? Why is that the problem? And it was really just poking around, reading so many forums and resources. That uh, you know, it's like I feel like I got my college education just by reading all those yeah it just i I think i've probably read and and done more and and i got to a point in my career where it's like um i joke like it's like i I, i'm actually now proud to put that i went to community college for two years on my thing because i was like i i have like 20 years of, of of industry knowledge that I've been going through. So this doesn't yeah, even matter. Yeah. So I used to always try to hide it now. I'm like, Hey, like it, it doesn't matter anymore. Now that I'm, I'm past that point, but I feel bad, not feel bad, but for your know, kids coming out of school now that owe a hundred thousand dollars or more in, in college yeah. debt. And you know, you're coming to me and it's like, I want to be an SEO and I'm like, all right, like what, what do you know? And I'm like judgmental because it's like you spent all this money and like you could have just been hacking away at some, you know, napster clone or something Damn it, yeah. <laughs> in
0: your college dorm room it's like you're no t- it's you're like it. you're speaking directly to me because like <laughs> i i'm an i'm an idiot i i left college it wasn't for me and got into digital marketing and, and seo and then my dumbass went back and racked up a bunch of debt when i didn't even really need it just to say i had a freaking degree Stupid. Look at you know Bill Gates.
2: What's pretty really funny is um, yeah. when I was, when I was in, in kind of middle management and I was hiring for a did uh, a difficult exec, I can't remember the exact role, but it was some kind of executive role. And, you know, uh, degrees on degrees, on education, on certificates. And I was like, okay, so we haven't used analytics before. And they're like, no. And I'm like, dude, okay. So, you know, it's kind of like, but in a situation where you know all the theory about how to talk about, and you know exactly how it needs to be and the thread and the pitch and the position and you know all this kind of stuff lubricating a bolts so it doesn't rust but if you ever picked up a spat no so it, it was exactly the same you had the degree but as soon as i said have you used this have you ever done any strategy work have you ever used really basic fundamental tools in the world of digital marketing the answer was no and i was kind of thinking hold on you've racked up you've not necessarily wasted that's definitely the wrong word but you know you've kind of spent five years of education and you haven't got any experience with some of the fundamental tools. I don't think that's an issue with the students, and I don't think it's fair to kind of choose the students for that. But I genuinely think that the lecturers and the and the, the modules and the work needs to be written by someone like like us, right? The people who are who are who are you know holding the tools, who are making things work, who are dealing with the clients. These people need to write what goes in the courses and the exams because anyone could talk about marketing, but it's the physical application, the tools, the costs, the requirements, how to sell, account management, keyword tracking, all of that good stuff, and then even beyond um, SEO directly, right? All of this stuff is missing. You can have all the brilliant knowledge and smarts about algorithms and how to build this, and as you said earlier, Jeff, data science, but have you ever used geo? Have you ever used data? Studio? Have you ever used Power BI? Have you used SQL? Uh, no. Nah.
1: Yeah. There, there was a time like on the news they would make fun of like oh it's just some kid in the, his parents basement that's like putting out this news or doing things like that but it, it changed the way the world worked. like those kids in their mom's I mean, basement Now those kids run freaking google and facebook no, right i agreed or, or if not they're <laughs> the ones making a lot of money off of it right because it's right you're you're not just down there i mean again a lot of kids are down there playing video games right but the ones that are you know that started podcasts and started like all like blogging and all that stuff. Like they were, they were working hard and figuring out the algorithms and maybe they didn't have the education in it. And and you just thought they were down there goofing off. But next thing you know, they're like Ian Howell or these people that are just like amazing at what they do. And Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 it's kind of interesting looking back at it because it's everyone who made fun of them. It's like a lot of those are off TV now and like no one watches TV or doesn't watch those channels. and,
0: those people they made fun of are the ones that are now running the industries, which I always I, I applaud. <laughs> it's, it sounds like we're hitting on an untapped uh, potential business idea for uh, taking SEO into traditional colleges and helping them reconstruct their courses. Let's let's just quit what we're doing and start a business.
2: You no, know that's let's really that quite business. funny because um, I'll, I'll mention it, but there's, a, there's a, an actual course. Uh, I'll literally put it out uh, early next year, early January, um, which is in the world of, of e-commerce. It's actually an entire comprehensive training course um, with myself and, and uh, an agency. Um, but yeah, it, 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 Twitter, I'll be sharing it and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, personally, I think, and I'm not just saying this because it's my course, but this kind of stuff you find on Gumroad, these really kind of uh, detailed and, and succinct courses, things are so much more powerful and feature-packed than any degree to spend three years on. Um, and I know if there's any teachers or, or anyone in, in education that kind of like screaming at their machines right now, then prove me wrong. Like, reach out and tell me I'm wrong because I'd love to share content, courses, modules that is mainstream or is available at university but I can properly recommend because we need it and actually shout out to the guys over at Rise at 7 who have, um, anyone in the UK listening, who have teamed up with an apprentice, a paid apprentice with um, Sheffield Hallam University I think it is um, and it's a, it's a very structured course that Rise at 7 built where you get paid to learn data science in a way that an agency would use it, we need to see more of this, right, theories and practice, um, but yeah we've, we've, we've kind of We've we've yeah we've blown the whole education thing apart. Really, we didn't even spoke about e-commerce yet. Yeah, but uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So as as you guys, I think we're we're kind of going through there. are Kind of two underlying points that I think are really really important, and one overarching point. So, uh, you hit on curiosity and mm-hmm. passion. Uh, which, if you're coming up in SEO, those are critical, and you, can't, it, you almost can't teach it, right? Um, I've seen plenty, plenty of people that come into into this industry that are that are very content with just having a job, but then there are the you know the other people where it it is not just a job for them, and this is for for me how it is, uh, and uh, it makes me really happy that I genuinely like my job and i'm very passionate about it and it's not like working working at a at a job so i think you know as you're as you're coming up and and you're getting into seo i think having a, a healthy level of curiosity very important and finding your passion and if it's not seo not seo that's totally fine if it's not seo as a whole and maybe just a specific aspect of seo find it because that is going to really, really help you, uh, progress in your career and not feel like this is just a job because it's one of the best jobs. In my opinion, it's one of the best jobs you can, you can have. I mean, we get to screw around with websites all day and get paid for it. Like what's better than that? Um, anyways, so so let Luke, let's get back to to digging into your story a little bit, right? so you you started a very small agency uh, and then you you snowball and you work your way up. you go through a couple of other agencies. and at what point did you decide I want to go out on my own?
2: All right, cool. So for me, it was kind of when I had an email one day you know those emails you get when you kind of rub your eyes and think ah, come on that's bs man that ain't real that's got to be spam well i had one of those emails and it's from um the guys at Mars, and they were reaching out to, to invite me to speak at, at mozcon in 2019 and i was like what because basically i've been speaking um my speaking career really started where there was a last minute cancellation at, um at recall uh, back when we could actually meet and all that kind of stuff but um What's the name of the, the event? Which is going to absolutely keep me. I'll think about it when I. So, but yeah, right long story short. No, it was one that was in Leeds. It okay. just gave me, I always mention it to people, but it just me, but long story short, there was a last minute cancellation there. Um, and I said, look, anyone that can um, tweet me a, a cool topic, you get the spot. So I tweeted um, something along the lines of uh, <laughs> optimizing your internal search for SEO. And Stephen, uh, who I respect a lot um, said reached in my DMs and says hey yeah we need this like you need to come and I was like wow okay I didn't expect you to get back to me I was just kind of throwing my, my ticket in the air anyway that's where it started and um, got on stage it was packed so I felt great because everyone wanted to kind of hear that story it was a little bit different and yeah I'd spent that year kind of going from event to event meet to meet up peaked at Brighton then peaked at Search Love um, and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I think Mars must have must have liked my my energy and what I was talking about and invited me to come out to Seattle. So um went out there, did my thing, um, really enjoyed it because it was the first time I've been to the US since I was like eight. So for me, first time as an adult, great atmosphere. And I thought, right, I have an incredible platform here where I can and I don't want to waste it. So I spoke at Mars Clone, brilliant platform, lots of people, and this felt like a point where it was an hour never moment. If i'm gonna go freelance i'm gonna go solo now's the time to do it but equally um i had a couple of people from like airbnb and car gurus who were having really good conversations with and they were like hey can you do some work for us and i had to say no because of course i was employed and I, you know i don't want to take on multiple commitments and that sort of stuff so it it pained me for a good few weeks after the event once everything had, had come down and calmed down i was back home i was like Damn! Imagine how powerful it would have been if I'd have been able to say yes to those opportunities. So I handed him my notice, um, and at literally in the same breath, I said to, to my boss at the time, "But how about you be my first client?" <laughs> so I kind of like kicked him, and then kicked him again. It was kind of like I'm leaving, but I also want more money. <laughs> but he was he was down. He was um, he was hugely. Um, you know, in favor of what I was doing and fully understood why. And it was like, yes, you know, we'd love to kind of continue to work with you and and for us to be a client of yours. And that was for me where I realized that's what I want to do. Um, And then I could, I could, you know, it gets to my potential rather than kind of have that ceiling of a salary. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, of course, like, you know, people are at work and that sort of thing. But for me, I felt like that's what I wanted to do. And I'd already been in business before with eBay. So it's not, you know, being an entrepreneur in that sense was already something that was in my blood. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about that, uh, because Jeff and I, again, we've, we've touched on this topic. Um, I don't think either one of us has has had the courage to to make that jump because of exactly what you you said the unknown versus the yeah. um, versus the guarantee and uh, I was going to ask like okay what's it like being being an entre- entrepreneur in terms of yeah. like you're not just doing the strategy, you're doing the the sales, the accounting, the marketing, it's, you know, it's all of yeah. all of that. And I, I would ask then, uh, well, you've had experience. What's been your biggest unexpected challenge, even though you've had
2: experience? Biggest unexpected challenge. You know, I think it's, um it, it's, it's nothing business related personally. I think it's your own, just kind of like your own mental state makes a really big difference. So, um you know, just been able to kind of, you have to remember that you're your own boss um and that's good news and bad news like for example if you don't take care of your health your business suffers um if you don't treat yourself like your best employee you're going to be in trouble right like working till three in the morning um consistently like everyone's got to hustle every now and again but like doing it to yourself all the time isn't healthy and you've got to think if you were looking at yourself as a bus as a um you know that's not okay like you need to send yourself home and i think equally just understanding that cash flow is different you don't have a salary anymore. So you can't sit there and expect to get a check on the 30th of every month. Um, some months you're going to have an incredible month where you probably earn four X your uh, salary. Another month you might be in a situation where you've earned nothing. Um, but the idea is to, to save different to plan different. Um, they're probably the, the biggest lesson. And I don't think there's a lot of people that talk about those. I actually uh, wrote a blog post when I was three or four months in. Um, so, so if anyone wants to check out that post and it was kind of like my biggest lessons, um, and my biggest realisation of going into uh, self-employment full-time. Um, because, as I say, I've always dabbled in it. I, I have a promotional products company as well, so the whole accounting thing was down. Um, but it was the emotional state and the discipline alongside giving yourself freedom and all that kind of money stuff. Um, but, you know, to anyone that's expecting me to give them a magic answer and say that, do this to guarantee, you know, income when you, when you go freelance, there is no such thing. You have to kind of have that leap of faith. Um, and everybody normally says to have three to six months' worth of money in your account before you before you make that jump. I was an idiot. <laughs> I, I had about a month. I had about a month's wages saved up before I handed in my notice at work. So it was all me uh, riding on my bus, saying yes to me to, to to having you know to me having them as a first client but i've made myself from what i thought was indispensable so they needed me more than i needed them is what i kept telling myself and it it, it worked fortunately um plus what's really what's really interesting is the energy is different the minute you make yourself available to the world you get so many opportunities you'd have never had if you were employed because nobody wanted to pass you work like you know for example let's say you've just gone you've just gone a freelance well, you, you Obviously, you're not freelance at the moment, but let's just say you're in a situation where I thought, oh, Jeff's a really good guy, but he's not going to have the work because he's got his own commitments. He's got a full-time job. I'll leave it. Um, but if self Jacob, was like, was freelance, I'm going to pass you the work because I know you might need that opportunity. Right. So that's the difference. It's like, it doesn't mean that nobody wants to work with you. It's just if you're in a full-time job, people aren't going to pass work to you. Um, and a lot of my work comes from referrals. Like, yes, I might have a cool profile online, and yes, you know, back in the days where I could get on stage and talk to people, brilliant. But a lot of my work blows up on my phone, WhatsApp, referrals, conversations. You know, please don't pretend for a second that I get like 300 emails a month or something people wanting to work with me, that's not how it works. Your network is absolutely your most valuable asset. Um, but yeah, there's no quick wins to kind of making it from jumping from full-time employment to, to self, self-employment.
0: Yeah. And then you, in September, started your own uh, company, Afro Drops. So, yes. uh, honestly, I wanted to check in. Now, of course, I, I want to know how that's going. We want to know how that's going. And then my my other question, because I'm not sure hearing your story is is that now your full time focus, or is it like a a bit of a side hustle? Um, and then if it is a side hustle, how on earth are you man managing to stay sane?
2: <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot to take on, right? So um yeah, do you know what you're not the first person to ask if Afrodrops is my first, is like my permanent, you know, I've left consulting and I've gone into Afrodrops full time. Um no, no, no. So so Afrodrops is very much a side side passion of mine. It's not my full time job. Um, it's basically a client if you if you like it. It's that you know, I spend some time each week. Um, looking at it. But in terms of how I do it, um, I'm not going to try and pretend I'm super organized. I'm not going to try and pretend I have every 15 minutes of my life planned in my calendar because that's not how I run. But you just find the time. Like you make, you always make the time. It's just if you break down your day into how much time you spend watching TV, I'm guilty of it, but I'm not going to try and pretend I'm not. Um, you can find the time. And if it's stuff that you want to find time for, you'll find it. Um, plus, because I'm, I do my own thing, then I make my own calendar. You know, I don't have to size my clients. And even then, the clients that I have, it's my decision to have them or not. As opposed when you're in, you're employed, you, it's a little bit different because you have to be available to the employer, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday. Well, for me, if I want to take two weeks off and focus on something, I can. So that kind of mindset, we've been able to give up a day of week to focus on Afro Drops and build it up and, and, and so on. But equally, I'm not going to try and pretend that I did this on my own. I've leveraged my network. I've built a network over the years. Um, I have a great person who does my paid search for me. I have someone who does content. I have a graphic designer that designed brand for me. Um, I've had a lot of help in, in deciding on products. I've called in favours. You know, this is not purely all, all done by me. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I've also not put any pressure on myself to make it a huge success straight away because it's just a passion project i haven't got any stakeholders or, or uh, shareholders to keep happy i haven't committed any deadlines to anyone so this can go as slow or as fast as i feel it needs to and it's really nice it's really nice because it means it's natural um yeah it's 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 a side hustle that seems to be doing quite well at the moment so
0: so so for those people that maybe aren't Familiar, or they, they just, they, they haven't seen you, haven't seen your company, what does your company do?
2: Yeah, so yeah. It, it kind of goes back to that thing you spoke about at the beginning. It's it's a problem that I identified and I wanted to fix. So obviously as a black guy myself, Afro hair. Um, there is a lack of uh, access to Afro hair care in supermarkets and on the high street. Um, and I've kind of grown up in, a, in, a, in an environment where you have to go to these specialty shops to get what you need now. I fully understand that it doesn't matter what you're in. Anything specialist, you have to go to a specialty store. So if you want a specific type of fixing, you're going to have to go to Home Depot, right? You're not going to get that from a Walmart. I get it. But to have nothing there at all is a problem. And that's kind of subliminally and subconsciously saying to black people that, hey, we don't see you. We don't accommodate for you. So I wanted to build a brand which kind of, one, um, proactively fights Afro hair oppression. Two, kind of makes people feel accepted um, and embrace their own natural hair. They don't feel the need to relax it or to straighten it or to, to, to conform to society's way in which your hair should look. And three, um, provide a uh, an e-commerce platform where people can buy their products online at a reasonable price. Um, but I haven't built this business to make money. This is a passion project that if it makes money, great. But I haven't built this with, uh, you know, a, a million dollar or a thousand percent growth year you. This is purely a, let's try something. Let's... You know, I put my heart on my sleeve, let's announce the e-commerce consultants building e-commerce business, everyone's watching. And if it doesn't work, I'll have to answer for myself and deal with it. But you don't get anywhere by not taking risks. And I think I've learned everything that I've, I've done. I've put everything into this that I can. It's self-funded, but I had a really successful first year of consulting. So I thought, let's reinvest some of that rather than give it to the taxman and put it in a new business. Um, and yeah, wearing my heart on my sleeve and trying something new, I'm doing something I believe in, but it's purely around afro and sorry afro and natural um hair
0: so in i guess my with you know coming from where we're coming from as uh two middle-aged white guys who have never had that experience whatsoever with respect to issues finding hair care products one of my questions is like okay some of well, us don't even have hair Exactly. Well, Jeff's <laughs> hair didn't leave. It just migrated down his face. Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't even know how to begin to think about what it's like. You know, I, of course, I walk into the supermarket and you've got 95 percent of the hair care products are just i guess the regular what i deem is the regular stuff and over here you've got this little uh little section which i've seen it called like ethnic hair products i don't even know if that's like a good name for it but that's what i've seen it seen it called and it never honestly it's just not a part of anything that i've i've experienced so outside of what you described as feeling marginalized, like when you have to go to a specialty provider, which sounds like a giant pain in the ass in and of itself. Like, are you also because it's a specialty provider having to pay more money?
2: Yeah, it's, 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 it's anything that's specialist, you know how it goes, right? It doesn't have to be hair. It could be even like what we've got on now, our cans and earphones and stuff like that. The minute you go, um, Say what the best example of this is like the wedding industry, right? You mm-hmm. get a regular, you know, card invitation to something like an event or a birthday party. Cool. The minute you slap wedding on it, it's like 3x the price just because it's got the word wedding in it. And it's the same with with, with Afro hair care in that sense. Um, but there's this whole argument of, um, well, if it's not in supermarkets, there must not be a demand for it. But last time I checked, there's plenty of black people that go to supermarkets. So it's kind of like the whole, you know, there's, there's, there is a whole argument around it. But, um, this this isn't a new problem, um, but the thing is that really kind of gets to me and winds me up is like here in the UK, I think I did a, a really basic case study and I started to take pictures of the supermarket aisle shelves. Yes. So you've got like um, I know you guys don't do meters in the US; you do like feet and inches, don't you? Because you're backwards. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. so like, let's say about four inch. Uh, sorry, four feet wide of, uh, yeah. of shelf space for Afro hair okay. care, but you've then got like a, a twenty foot wide. Um, oh, yeah a shelf for for vape for vape flavors like i mean i get it you know vapes are cool everyone's kind of into them now you know people are smoking less and less but actually can you tell me that vape is a more important product than afro hair care and then to use another example you've got like a gluten-free section and it's like a whole five foot space for gluten-free wraps but you only have this much space for three afro hair care shampoos. like it's just it's not okay. And, and I've been in the healthcare space um, for a couple of years. I worked for an in-house um, pharmaceutical brand, and we had some conversations about stocking afro hair products. The answer I got was, just don't understand that part of the market. It was just buying teams don't have the representation to necessarily go and invest in the product and put on the supermarket shelves. Um, now i get only four percent of people in the in the in the the uk or in Sutton coalfield are black which is where i live in birmingham but um what you can't tell me or what what i do know is that something around eight percent of people in the uk but so it's how is it that this do you know what i mean like you do the math, you break down you look at the data the percentages are way up you've got the percentage of people in the uk who are vegan and we already know and it's great to see by the way but Vegan food takes up a considerable amount of space in dairy aisles and stuff like that and, and alternative products and health-focused foods. But I've got to choose between two shampoos, man. So what's really crazy now is I stock on Afrodrops.com more products than pretty much any UK supermarket chain in the UK. And that feels incredible. feels half kind of like, it's bittersweet, right? Because yeah. it's a shame that I have to be able to say that, but equally, it's really kind of powerful to know that um i'm able to do that um and provide a, a marketplace and a space for people with hair like mine um so you know to be able to to, to find what they need yeah.
1: so how you the, ever
2: oh, go ahead say, have
1: you ever considered working with any of the brands to like build your own um afro drops
2: brand it's 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 definitely on the uh on the strategy for, for future years yeah i think yeah. What I, what I believe it or not, um, what I wanted to do first was kind of prove to myself that this is a viable business. Um, right. And when I say viable business, again, I don't mean something that's going to be turning out six, seven figures a year. I just mean something that I can buy some products and people want to buy. It. So it's it's doing well. There is there is demand. You know, I'm I'm getting sales in, although they're still kind of small, it's really nice to see that things are selling out and I'm having to replace stock, which is a really cool feeling. And I'd love to say in, in a year or two that yeah, I can absolutely start looking at my own line of products. But um it's it's not not a no, but it's uh it's a, I'd love to. I'd love yeah. to. But then you've got to think about the whole you know how it is, right? The research, the position in the market, uh, and then you, you launch a product and it fails a test and you've got to go back to drawing no, And I, I actually just want Brexit out of the way <laughs> before I start touching any of that heat. True. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah, for sure. One
0: In doing a little bit of sleuthing on the website, um, I, I saw a GIF that looks like you walking into uh, a store and looking at the shelf. Now, was that you looking at the shelf and seeing your own product or looking at the shelf and not seeing your product?
2: Yeah, it's one of those videos. It's really interesting because I asked um, a bunch of people. So I'm part of a, a you know, group of friends. Some people in the professional space who said, look, watch the video and tell them what you think. What's really quite interesting is you have to be not a victim but you have to have experienced what i'm talking about to understand what that video means so um i've spoken to a good friend of mine who uh white middle-aged guys watched the video and gone i, I don't i don't you know no offense do but i don't see the problem yeah, and then he, i've shown say like, yeah yeah my friends and and you know i've shown my like, family of course with black hair and that sort of thing and they've kind of gone yeah straight away even like 10 seconds of the video they're like yeah and that's really quite that's really quite interesting. But what that video is designed to do is show people that when you look at the shelves, if you try to find one product um, that is Afrocentric there, like what kind of, and the, the funny thing is you can't. What is, I can't remember if it's actually made it to that video, um, but if you look at all the hair dye, because um, of course you normally have a model with grey hair and that particular colour of hair dye, not a single hair dye on the shelf uh, had a woman of colour And I was like, that is to me is what kind of, any home and it's not just about black people right like you can have natural hair you can have um afro or textured hair and not be black it's not just about black people um i've got uh this whole play yeah i've got friends but genuinely there's people in my family there's people who are friends i've got mixed race children myself um and equally there's people with long uh european hair that is equally interesting in texture so why are we not embracing this this isn't just about um only black people can buy this product in fact every single one of the products that i sell on my website can be used for multiple hair types there's only you know and this is what i mean It's, it's kind of like when you the more data you look at the more it points to a race play more it points to afro hair oppression um and i'm sure i think it was something that came out in the u.s and I'll have to get my source right so maybe I'll get a link to you. But I think it was UPS or FedEx who had a rule and I was amazed about this that you can't wear natural afro hair to work. Like, what? It's crazy. crazy. Yeah.
0: Crazy. And I will I will say you're in it. I came into that question totally intending to ask a different question, and it makes so much, so much sense now based on what you said. And I will say uh, you're right about different ethnicities having uh that type of uh hair uh texture my i mean my father-in-law very very italian had an afro in the 70s like and his hair is super super tex- textured uh yeah. so yeah that's you know
2: yeah, sure. interesting you this, there's uh, so much more to natural hair honestly yeah. we could honestly talk, i know we've got more stuff to talk about <laughs> yeah, sure. right well right. um textured hair is predominantly black for sure but there's a good chunk of people who have mixed textured hair or just super curly hair right
0: well let's move into the the core topics jeff take it away
1: yeah so i mean it's great we're talking about e-commerce right and talking about like products and and things like that that we you know are, are stocking on our virtual shelves I guess it's, but uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and we're in the holiday season right, right now. So um, it's a little late to talk about holiday e-commerce right now, but I think some of the good ideas would be is like actually that post holiday e-commerce. Um, so I guess there's a couple aspects that we have um, here is like one, it's like tons of gift cards are going to be given out during the holidays. So, um, you know, how are we going to, um, you know, optimize for those post- Holiday terms, I guess, uh, to be able to still gather and, and get people into our, our shops. So, um, like in post-holiday SEO, like what are some of the important things that we need to be thinking about?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I work with companies big and small, and I see the same thing happen every single year. Um, and a lot of it is just kind of like, right, Christmas is over, let's decompress and just do what we've always done. Um, and we all know what it's like, right? Like, if you've got any clients in the world of e-commerce, kind of like, oh let's just focus on payday um payday campaigns right let's just do you know at the end of the month's coming up no one's got any money in january let's do a january sale and there's nothing wrong with that but there becomes a problem when you don't start to look at the data you don't start to find opportunities so i'll give you a perfect example um i don't think you guys have a holland and barrett over in in the u.s but it's kind of like a uh, maybe like a gmc like a healthcare vitamins all that kind of stuff right um now, if we rewind to March of 2020, I know, I'm horrible, COVID was just kind of this thing in the in the speck of our rearview mirror, but a lot of people at that particular point were going to retailers and searching for coronavirus and searching for COVID-19. Holland & Barrett, one of the biggest brands in the world of um, healthcare and, and vitamins and that supplements, that kind of space, no results found because it was a brand new term. My point here is... This year, more than any year has told us to expect the unexpected. So my point here is decompressing Christmas. It's been a very extraordinary year in the world of e-commerce. What did people search for? What did people want to buy when we ran out of stock? What did people assume that we sold? Um, yeah, what kind of queries are people looking for? So uh, I have a, a client right now in the world of contraception, really, really niche, I know. But um, there's a lot of queries of people searching for contraception in lockdown. But how do you deal with that? That's a problem that someone out there consult so but if you just kind of decompress and think oh christmas is over talk about christmas how hey, your christmas holiday we want to get a coffee at the water cooler or whatever and then just crack on what you've always done you're missing out so like look at the data see what happened and spend january proper immersing yourself in trends to follow up whether it's next peak or next quarter or even to implement right now you know
0: yeah. And uh, it, it's interesting, like with a lot of uh, a lot of my clients they're and rightfully so. And, and this isn't just this year, right? This year has been a complete shit show and aberration. Um, but in previous years, this particular aspect of uh, e-commerce uh, really, really still holds true is that everybody focuses on what it takes to get to the finish line, which is, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the close of shipping, right? When you, when, when the point where you get to where you can't meet the shipping deadline before Christmas, that's when everybody's like, "All right, we're done. There's no more work okay. to do," right? Yeah. Problem is, nobody really gives a shit about the following year, and the following year after that, and the following year after that. But the brands that do S- SEO, not necessarily e-commerce, the best have one really important uh, thought process in mind and that's evergreen evergreen preservation right so if black friday and cyber monday are your thing or if you've got uh, a place where all of your christmas related stuff or and this goes for any any major holiday or event uh, i see far too many people not planning ahead and just taking all of those pages down in fact i worked with a um a brand many, many moons ago uh, that made all of their 90 percent of their revenue in November and December for the entire year. So everything was geared around that. And every damn year they would they would uh, invest with us for like three or four months, which was crazy in and of itself. And then we'd go dark until the following August. They'd call us again three or four months. And every year in that little dark period, they would delete All of the work that we've done. Okay, we're done with the season, delete it. We don't need it anymore. And every damn year, we'd have to build it from scratch again. And I'm here to say like, hey, if you've got a Black Friday page, if you've got a Cyber Monday page, if you've got a Christmas page, or if you've got content strategy around that, um, it's okay to let that page live. In fact, let it live so that it can have some equity and build for next season. So that when you get to next season, it's a little bit easier and a little bit yeah. easier. And all those signals have, and those pages have been aging over the course of time. And you start next season from a position of strength instead of from zero, because it's really damn hard to build from zero. Um,
2: yeah.
0: So yeah. Do you know what, I love
2: that. And I think it's the, the same picture when it comes to products, right? And this is probably something that, um, a lot of people kind of on the discontinued products guy. I think that's kind of the the, the nickname I got in the, in the SEO field because exactly the same thing there. You know, if things go out of stock, even if permanently, just kill them and four hundred four pounds. It's it's not not necessarily the best thing to do. Um, and there's the whole you know, there's pros and cons of doing it many different ways. But exactly that, like. Um, if, I think one perfect example, especially if you've got products that have a long shelf life, like say, uh, clothing can be a really bad example because that's normally quite seasonal three months. But let's say furniture, for example, um, a sideboard is a sideboard. And if you go to like an oak furniture store, they've probably been selling that same thing for a couple of years at least. To so then just have that equity, all of the PR, all of the reviews it's got, all of the write ups that people have done for it, and then you switch it off and then just let it die. It's like, wow. If wrong with you man and then you're wondering why the new replacement doesn't sell that's because it's killed it right but that's one specific example if you're an e-commerce store that has maybe tens of thousands of products and you're doing that a couple hundred times every season it's painful it's painful the great thing is for us as seos it's kind of like quick wins right we see all these broken uh 404s we see all those opportunities and we spend three months writing tickets and working with product teams and hey we look great but we've fixed people's mistakes um but it's, it's honestly honestly the most uh the most powerful stuff in the world is SEO is the stuff that's just common sense. So you just think about things from a customer perspective first and then reverse engineering backwards. Um but yeah, we could talk about lost content and, and killing stuff and then yeah, it's just a good topic.
1: Yeah, indeed, uh, I, I work for a product review section um for the New York Times uh, Wirecutter, wire cutter. And we're like a huge affiliate style site, but um you know we have we have a ton of content and and we see like you know of course the holidays Black Friday things like that are big days for us but um, this is my first time working with like an editorial staff of like you know seventy people or or whatever they have um, and it's like we have editorial calendars set up you know every day I mean January first is you know new content all all this new content's coming out so we we do focus a ton after and we kind of have some of our own made up holidays that we're coming up with <laughs> you know things like uh certain types of weeks like sleep week is what's something that's coming up where it's like we're just going to be focusing on sleeping products like we all sleep well supposed to sleep eight hours a day you know <laughs> but it's like you know a third of your life you're laying down in a bed so it's like it's a great topic to go through and it's like something we're doing in between holiday times right so um you know we we there's other holidays that are on the calendar that aren't necessarily on the calendar that are things that we're kind of focusing on to kind of fill some of those voids to get more traffic coming in.
2: uh...
0: So Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, You go ahead. I I was going to ask, ask you, Luke, what do you see as the biggest problem facing and maybe it's changed during COVID uh, you know, e-commerce, e-commerce websites and, Uh, you know, in terms of their SEO strategy?
2: I think the rise of Shopify has caused, it's like they've solved a great problem by allowing people to get online really easily. Like it's probably easier, probably more difficult now to apply for a passport than it is to get an online shop, which is fantastic. But um, in the rise of that, it's kind of meant people just assume that SEO is something that's done out of the box. It's kind of like plug plugin led um, you know, it's the plugin plug in and boom, it's all done. But I think the biggest problem, um, with, with the rise of, of COVID, um, it's, it's is actually not digital at all. It's everything that happens behind the scenes, it's customer service, it's supply chain, um, it's been able to deal with that kind of scale. And I've seen so many businesses that, you know, myself included as a, as a customer of a business where I've been promised something's going to be delivered before Christmas. And I know for a fact, it's not going to be, um, Basically companies over-promising and under-delivering. And I think some of that is due to fear because they need the money because if it doesn't come in, they're going to have to shut the doors because pre-pandemic was crazy. Um, And equally just unprecedented, I hate that word, but it's the best word for it. um, Growth of, wow. Like I have a client, well, they're not a client, but hopefully there will be next year, but they're in a lot of puzzles and we had a really good conversation. They were in a situation whereby halfway through the year, they'd already hit their um targets for 2020 as a total year so they're kind of in a situation like well, what are we doing that like do we, do we turn off things to discontinue products or whatever but they kind of just rode the wave and made it work but it doesn't work like that for all companies i think um what this basically says is you need automation you need um to be able to build in processes that make things easier. And this is all the stuff that goes behind the storefront. The storefront is now so easy, as we said, like Shopify, eBay, WooCommerce, um, so easy. And that used to be probably one of the hardest parts to sort out if you have been wanting pre-Shopify days and pre-WooCommerce days. Well, now the challenging part is distribution, logistics, as I said, customer service, dispatch, cars. Um, and it's that bit that's coming in stuck. the stuff that goes on behind the website. Yeah, we
0: we also uh, had a had a client that hit their revenue because of the demand, because everybody's at home and their product just happened, happened to align with that. And it's not just e-commerce. It's if there were some industries that were crushed, and there were other industries that are made for just being at home that made their revenue in like April because of the demand. And and. Uh, and in some cases, couldn't even keep up with it because of the supply supply chain um, issues. Um, but, you know, outside of that, you know, what? Because sometimes e- e- e-commerce is only as good as the the platform it's, it's on and the capabilities yeah. of the platform. So which platforms I would say do you like and which do you not like as much?
2: <laughs> okay. All right. So... I'm going to try my best to not sound like I'm on the fence with this because this is an important question. Right. Um, this is likely you've got a Cola or Pepsi kind of deal, right? So, um, for me, WooCommerce is, is my, my my CMS of choice. Um, and I get there's going to be people who are like, "WordPress, dude, what's wrong with you? Security issues, yada yada yada. It's slow." But look, you know, it's a free platform. It's up to you as a as a user as a web dev to make that thing robust and fast. It's not going to be fast at the box, right? Um just like anything, if someone gave you a bag of boxes it's going to build me an engine, it's not going to be great out of the box. You've got to go and finesse it, tweak yep. it, right? So um I really love WooCommerce for its flexibility, I love it for its community. Um you can set URLs as you want rather than just slash collections, yeah, speaking to you, Um, you know how it is. Like for me, WooCommerce is the one. And it's not just startup. Um, there's a lot of brands that I know who are you know, multi million pounds turnover, they deal with um hundreds of thousands of transactions a year work well, comfortably on woocommerce um but you've got to think about the stat that it's on it's probably not going to be on a host gate shared uh post right it's right. going to be on some dedicated elastic kind of aws global cdn thing and that's perfect it's wonderful um but if you've got to use woocommerce don't take it for granted don't just think it's a plug-in install put your products on send it live all good um equally as much as you heard me moan about shopify and how kind of like annoying it is for seo um they are getting better and um, i'm pretty sure with the new appointment appointment of kevin in the team um we're going to see big things uh from from the guys at shopify plus it's not bad let's not try and pretend that shopify box is terrible for seo it's not Wix, right but there's just things that they could do better so if it was me if anyone's asking me if they're telling me i've got 5 or or nothing to set up a e commerce store where would you start? I'm going to say WooCommerce or Shopify depending upon what it is if you've got the tech uh, capacity either in your own skill set or you've got friends or you've got budget for that use WooCommerce. if you just want to click a few buttons and get something online and not have to worry about the technology then use Shopify but what I would say is stay away from the big enterprise don't be lured into a full set security It'd be like you know you're selling maybe i don't know 50 grand a year and you go for drupal commerce or something like that because it's just going to blow your mind um plus there's a there's a very famous saying keep it simple stupid yep. um and i believe that should be the same thing you see in this as well i think i said that the wrong way around which is quite ironic but you know what? Uh, <laughs> keep it <laughs>
0: keep, yeah keep, that's right keep, keep it simple keep, keep it yeah. stupid simple <laughs> <Keep> it, <that's laughs> <ritual> idea, yeah <laughs>
1: So it's funny because Wirecutter is run off of WordPress also. Um, And we, like during the Black Friday days, I mean, I, I can't get into numbers, but we'll just say millions of people a day in there. And it's just... I I was blown away with how, like, you know, hey, maybe we don't get the greatest speed scores. I'm working on that. But the way that it's hooked up through AWS and auto-scaling and and things like that put in there when, you know, you're hitting a few million, you know, on a a day uh, basis, like, it, it handled it with... You know, with ease now that again it's not our st- it's not your out of the box wordpress installation right there's been tons of things implemented to it we're using fastly as a cdn aws with scaling raised up and there's tons of things going on that are, that made it that way we have a a a big dev team that handles that um but the interface when i go in and log is wordpress so it's it's one of those yeah. things where it's um wordpress can handle if you if you spend it a time but i've also been with many of like large e-commerce platforms you know web Sphere commerce we used to do a lot of uh, at rosetta when i worked there and um you know out of the box that didn't do anything either it was just like one of these weird like it, it was like cost you a hundred thousand dollars and then $2 million to get someone to implement it properly or, or Hybris or any of these other ones out there. They're like, there are for the average person way too complex and, and like Demandware is another one of those ones that like makes a million Demandware folders that cause all this duplicate content. Um, so there's all this stuff that goes on with that. So using something like you know, Shopify is... is yeah maybe you're not as as ability the ability to to do complex things with it but when you get to woocommerce like it's open source you can do whatever you know it's like you have the stuff in there and you can do what you want and as you grow you can grow with it and it'll grow with you so uh i'm a supporter of the woocommerce movement also oh
2: that's the theory i mean one last thing on that is is wordpress.com wordpress.org to the world's biggest sites built on the two different things, but they're also both built on WordPress. But yeah. like they they're, they're, they're they're literally eating their own CMS. Yes. So if two of the world's biggest websites can be powered on their own CMS, then I think that's a pretty cool testament, right? Yep. Um, but yes, as you said, it's open source. WooCommerce and WordPress are just software. The what hardware you put them on is your choice. And if it's slow, it's probably not WordPress. It's probably something else that you haven't configured properly. But yeah, it gets a lot of stick Um but it just needs just needs a bit of tlc you know
0: yeah so before we jump into twitter questions we have a lot and i want to be respectful of time i'm just going to say one thing that i see on every damn e-commerce site and it drives me up a wall and this is a quick rant is uh for the reviews and god bless the this particular software it does the reviews part right but it's terrible with the structured data is bizarre voice god damn it can somebody i've been dealing with this for too long can somebody come along uh and compete with bizarre voice so that i can stop and maybe maybe it's good it keeps me in work fixing their structured data drives me crazy and everybody uses it just stop it
2: (laughs) Refuse refuse the ios the future um i hope so yeah, I'd say go. With anyone else looking for a reviews platform? Um, reviews. because they're they're really good. They're really quite cheap, and they they're a heck of a lot cheaper than TrustPilot, which is the um, the, the
0: other competitor, right? Yeah. 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 Not a lot of competitors yeah. in that space, man. I and I don't know why. It's like Bizarre Voice is like a monopoly. In the, I don't know.
2: It's really uh, weird, you know, because in Europe, or at least here in the UK, it's really competitive. Uh, really. Yeah, reviews are a big space. Like if you go to yeah. any kind of e-commerce or digital conference, there's normally three or four vendors in the review space just competing for, for clients. Um, but yeah, maybe in the US it's, it's not it's it's not done. So maybe the whole Google thing is kind of in Yale.com. Yeah. Kind of you know, yeah. you know.
0: My experience has been 99% of the sites that I've worked on in the last 10 years have been re- yeah. reviews sourced from Bizarre Voice. And Mm -hmm. I've not had good experiences with Bizarre Voice in terms of their implementation or their team.
2: It's got to be an American "Mm -hmm. thing. I've never works on any site yet with Bizarre Voice on. Yeah.
0: (sighs) All Anyways, let's jump into Twitter questions. Jeff, I'm going to let you lead the Twitter questions this week. Or I'm going to ask, not let. I'm going to ask. All right.
1: So, um, cool. So we collected some questions from Twitter. The winner does get a... Page Two podcast sweatshirt, which I had to run and put on real quick, um, the show, because it is, I, you know, not to, to toot our own horn, but it is a very comfortable sweatshirt. I, uh, <laughs> I've been, like, if it didn't have the logo on it, I'd probably wear it every day, too. So, um, but the first question we have is from last week's guest, Claire Carlisle. She has a, a three-part question. Okay. Okay. And, and some of, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, one is, how can you be so handsome?
2: Oh, uh, it's all in the skincare routine, man.
1: Yeah, it's the <laughs> Af- Afro Drops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but now to her real questions, uh, what resources would you recommend for someone that has one day to read and watch the best resources for small, medium business e-commerce SEO?
2: That's a big question. It's a big, lot big to, read to read in one day, too. A lot to read in one day. For me, I'm going to say... SEO should be a follow-up of UX and CRO. So you, SEO isn't what you want. It's kind of like a catalyst, if you like, or a consequence of doing best practice e-commerce. I would say, take a look at things like CXL. Uh, the CXL blog has got so much cool stuff on it. It's
1: great blog. Um, and
2: there's another one as well. My memory is failing me this afternoon. It's what happens when you have pizza for but yeah, there's, there's a real, real bunch of resources out there. You've got Content King as well, really, really cool blog with loads of cool stuff on. Um, but just read about building an e-commerce um, system or e-commerce eco space that is driven for its users and is easy to use. Then reverse engineer SEO into it. Don't start with SEO. And the reason why I say that is because if you speak with a pure play SEO, no offense to any SEO that there are want one at the end of the day, it's normally about how to build it to better. Um, to to, to kind of keep the bots and the the search engine sweet. When really your primary goal is to make it easy to use for customers way before you think about making it a search engine. So yeah, think about the design, think about the UX, think about the flow um, and then kind of reverse engineer SEO into that afterwards. CXL. Uh,
1: That's great. I I think I'd also add in there practical e-commerce is a great kind of blog on just... All your general e-commerce is not focused on seo but focused on all general uh, has seo built into it too so yeah. um and then her final one i think we already answered though but it was name your top choice for e-commerce cms for small businesses and explain why yeah. and i think we just went down that road with
2: chew that, that one pieces already yeah yes. but um, just to reiterate that, like don't, I, I'd also say that don't just go for, don't just have my word for it or any, you know, this podcast and think, right, I'm building it on, on this. Um, have a read, like look at some reviews, see what the pros and cons are. Think about uh, the extensions and the plugins and the software that you need to build into. Because maybe WooCommerce isn't good for you for reasons X, Y, and Z and chop it for for A, B, and C. Like do your research. But nine times out of 10, um, I'd say one of those two CMSs that the ones to go for
1: Great. Cool. So, uh, next questions are from Kyle Rose, uh, search discovery. Kyle is like our number one question asker, I think so far this year.
0: (laughs) Kyle's been representing. He has been
1: representing. So he also came with a three part question. Well, maybe not three parts, three separate questions. Um, so the first one is what trend do you think is going to shake up the industry in 2021?
2: All right, I already have the answer to this because I get asked this on the reds at the moment because everyone wants to try and spend their budget for next year. Um, payments, like, it's fast, fast, right? Fast payments, fast checkout. They are literally slapping everyone in the face. PayPal, Amazon Pay, like, what else is there? Uh, the Google Pay, Apple Pay, they're just, they're just they're hitting it all. And that's those, those one of the coolest tech companies I've seen. Um... That have gone from zero to 100 real quick, which is perfect because that's what they're called fast, right? But um yeah, I think just ease of use, just friction. And I think um, what I would love to see is a disruptive courier. Like I think we have a courier uh, network in the UK called DPD, and they kind of brought the game forward because you could kind of see where your driver was. Um, you get a time slot and that kind of stuff. And Amazon kind of giving the whole the, the, the dot on the map and how many stops away they are. But I think it's just something that can make careers a little bit sexier. I don't know what it is, yeah. but when it's there, it's going to absolutely blow up. And if e-commerce is, is, is blowing up, then you need someone to get the goods from the from A to B, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think payments, definitely. We've seen Klarna, we've seen all that kind of payday, kind of yada yada, you know, split to three payments, fast checkout, they're hitting in. Um, but actually, last on that, I think there's going to be a huge kind of like tech battle between amazon and shopify because i don't know if you've seen the rumblings of jeff bezos apparently he's getting a little worried about how fast shopify growing. he wants to knock him down or Pebbleton and i think amazon yeah. could bring it their own um their own answer to shopify which i'd hate to see actually i don't think amazon deserve to be in that space they need yeah. to stay where the hell they are stay in their lane which but is everywhere <laughs> exactly you,
1: you know there was a time like toys r us was hosted on amazon like they used I Amazon's e-commerce us. platform. So I, I I actually worked for a company where Toys R Us was our client and they moved to our platform, but they moved from Amazon because Amazon was offering that type of service before. Oh, so
0: okay. yeah. the, 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 the only way I would say Amazon is allowed by my my personal allowances uh, to compete with Shopify is if they organize a you know a massive dance off or something. Yeah. <laughs> dance off. That's the only way to settle it, Amazon.
2: All right. And I'd love to say there's one last point I want to throw on that. It won't mean anyone, anything to anyone outside of the, the UK, but Primark is a company that are absolutely refusing to embrace e-commerce. So if the CEO of Primark is watching this, first of all, mid affinity, do what you need to get online. And second <laughs> of all, um, just, just start fighting the fight and start selling your gear online. People want to buy your stuff, man. Stop making it difficult. I don't know if there's anyone in the US who is like Primark, but they're kind of like a um, a cheap kind of fast fashion
1: yep. no it's it's funny uh, when I lived up in Philadelphia they built one right there and my wife and daughter loved it so yeah. they're they're hoping it moves down here to the south where I'm at I'm, now. S- I'm
0: personally still skeptical about this whole digital thing I don't know if it's going to work yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: alright well, we're going to
1: move on to the next question um, uh, so I'm going to jump down to Nikki Moser's uh, question it's uh, if you weren't an SEO what would you be doing
2: if I weren't in SEO, what would I be doing? Um, I don't know. I'd probably be a musician or something. Uh, I don't know, actually. Do you know what? I actually have time to, to think about this question because I've seen this question come up on Twitter before. Um, I don't know. I think i would probably be in something like sales, if I'm honest. Um, but I'd probably say still heavily related to tech. But, yeah, sales. As long as it gives me the freedom to travel and kind of work from wherever, I think I'll dig it. So... Um, yeah, I think that'll be my answer. It's a crappy actor, I'm sorry, but yeah, that's the best I got. Okay.
0: Do so you play is. Do you play an instrument
2: or sing? Yeah, so I used to sing some time ago, um, okay. like years and years and years, and I kind of just left it because I couldn't be bothered, and I just went into the pubs, and just, you know, you're kind of a teenager, and you just want to spend all your money on drinking, so that's what I did, so. Uh, but I don't know, I think i've kind of always been drawn to tech um so it'd be yeah but then again i'm actually actually no i do have a better answer because so i should know better <laughs> i'm a huge petrol head so it would probably be something in automotive i might have been in like an automotive engineer or a vehicle designer or something like that but uh yeah that, that's that was kind of what i studied actually at school it was kind of i always thought i was going to be an architect or a, or a vehicle designer, a car designer. so um yeah i probably would have been in that
0: so nice. I I will say uh, I sing a little bit too and and have uh, done a done a lot of that in the in the past. So like maybe yeah. we should just start our own SEO boy band or something uh, you know, it, something of of that nature.
2: It's not. My king,
0: yeah. my king could be the rapper. He
2: the rapper and the boy <laughs> exactly.
0: <band. laughs> we could be like uh, the SEO version of Pen- Pentatonics. Yeah. There so here go. we go. <laughs>
1: Awesome. So from Jesper, 660 feet away.
0: Um, That's 666. Don't short it. Oh,
1: 666 those. feet away. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs>
0: um,
1: what non SEO skill do you think is most important for SEO? Uh,
2: this one's really a really really good question. This is probably my personal favorite. Um, customer insight. Got to know what your customers want. You could be the best SEO in the world and completely disregard why your customers are even on your site in the first place. Actually, you know what? I think we can all relate to that. If you've worked agency side or worked in-house, there's always someone who smart smiles but doesn't have context as to why it's wrong. So there could be an indexing issue, but actually there's a bigger problem. And on an SEO scale, that could be like, you know, level 100 of problems because you've got like 50 million blood URLs or whatever. But yeah, it's a big SEO problem. It's not necessarily a big problem. It's just SEO, right? But if customers can't buy their stuff, it's a bigger problem. Um, So someone that just understands what your customer wants, why are they there? Why have they come to you? Why are they complaining or not complaining? What makes them happy? What makes them tick? How do they search? And I mean site search as well as Google search. So customer service teams aren't paid enough, in my opinion. Customer service teams aren't implemented enough into a business they're kind of just put in the corner and left to kind of deal with customers when actually they should you know when everyone has an all-hands meeting or a um, uh what do you call it like a round table kind of thing everyone should just start with what customer service have as intel because you can guarantee if anything goes out of stock or something goes offline or something stops working it's going to be the phone lines that blow up first before anyone exactly. goes back so yeah non-seo skill has to be an appreciation and admiration for what your customers are doing business. Get that wrong. You don't have a business. So. Yep. That's
1: a great answer. Um, then our final question from Mark Alves. Um, did the experience of launching Afro drops change your mind about anything you previously believed about SEO?
2: You know what? I love this question and I'm really proud to be able to say no. Um, because and that sounds like a really smug answer, but what I will say is what it has done is give me appreciation and maybe admiration for the difficulty in getting some things done. Yeah. Because normally it's just something that I give to, you know, I write a ticket, I've got my my e-commerce audit that I do for my clients and stuff. Um, and you hand those over and then you kind of think, well, there's someone in dev or product who has to go and make that happen, and I just tick a box at the end of it and say, Yep, yeah, that's good. or no, that needs tweaking or complete gotta run in it to stick to it. What the hell is it? Um, but my point is that's now on me, whether it's me doing it directly or me handing it to my dev to go and get sorted and just realize that sometimes things are a little bit more difficult. So I had a plan to give you an idea right at the beginning that my core focus um, or the thing that I wanted to get perfect was product photography. Um, because you could buy what I sell from many different places, but I wanted my photography to be on point and building a brand here. Um, and that takes a lot of time. That's not just taking a photo of a random product. That is getting it right, getting the exposure right, getting it set up right in the light box, um, designing the proper, but that took a lot of time. Um, and it's that sort of product level stuff that really makes a difference, but it's also really, really important. So I would say, hasn't really changed anything, but it's given me a newfound appreciation for, um, for some of the things I took for granted, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's great. So let's uh, let's pick a winner, and I I will say I out of all of these questions, I will say uh, Mark has already won. Now he's only won a sticker, right? So you can be a two time uh, a two time winner. Uh, Jess, Nikki, and Kyle have asked questions previously, and I think maybe Claire. Kyle has asked the most questions. Um, so I don't necessarily want to like steer steer the selection I, I definitely want Luke you to pick who you thought asked the, the best question
2: I want to interject here I feel like I should choose as I to answer the questions <laughs> I, oh
0: no <laughs> just, you're definitely you're definitely choosing right. I'm, so, I'm leading the witness
2: <laughs> all right awesome awesome so the person I think should witness is the person who didn't ask an SEO question at all because at the, end of the day, SEO is a skill it's not. It's you know what I mean it's not, it's not the thing it's, it's SEO on its own just make a business work um, and it's, it's the person who asked me about what skill um, what non-SEO skill do you need to have I think that's yeah. such an important question so and it's if Jess. more SEOs thought with that wait yes yeah. Yeah. more SEOs thought with that mindset of let's just put SEO to one side for a moment let's step outside my bubble of Ahrefs and scream in front. Um what the hell am I here for like what is the big picture Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Uh, So, Jess, but six hundred and sixty-six feet away, you are the winner of an an extra comfy Page Two podcast hoodie, and we will be in contact with you. In fact, I'm going to reach out uh, directly after we are recording, so I can make sure that you get your hoodie in a reasonable amount of time. But of course, as uh, people have listened, know we record a couple of days. Uh, before and then we release every Monday morning. So hopefully you will have this uh, hoodie in the mail to you by the time you are listening and and. Uh yeah. So our last question uh, before we sign off uh, is uh, an interesting one. And you kind of answered this a little bit way earlier in the episode, but we we do still kind of want to, to touch on it in case uh, there's other advice, but you, you, you're somebody that you're getting into SEO, uh, let's say 2021, right? It's your first year. Um, what advice would you give
2: that person? Um, yeah. Really, really good question. So if you're, Brand new, picking up tools for the first time, if you are uh, you know, moving from, say, one skill, say, let's say PR and that sort of thing into SEO, then um, I would say you don't have anything unless you have data and you don't have a business unless you can take information from that data. So for me, I would say um, you need to understand how to measure something first before you change something. So for me I'd say start with Google Analytics, really kind of immerse yourself in Google Analytics 4 to be more specific. The the, the kind of latest iteration of Google Analytics, which some people love, some people hate. Play around with Google Tag Manager if you can, go and put the stage inside if you can, break stuff, fix stuff, learn stuff. See my is the legend in that space. Um But yeah, you've got to play with the Lego bricks before you can uh you know, before you can before you can mess around with something bigger. But for me, a lot of people think about SEO from a technical perspective first. So maybe you jump into a, a framework or a, or a language, or you know, maybe jump into Python, and they're all great. Like, don't let me take anything away from those. But in my opinion, you need to be able to measure and identify what you need to fix before you go away and fix it. Yep. So to be able to measure and properly extrapolate information from that data is a heck of a lot more important because believe it or not, it's the soft skills, going back to Jesse's question, it's the soft skills that are missing. Someone who can do tech SEO, um, as it is, he can fix a canonical tag is a relatively simple task. But to understand and identify that that was a problem in the first place is where the real product owners and the um the problem finders are, 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 are and these guys data fair, they have to go off data so that would be me data data data
1: you can't
0: improve what you can't measure
2: there you go there you go yeah just
0: or it's like the old uh, if a tree falls in the in the woods uh can't doesn't make a sound um okay so luke where can people find you
2: all right you can find me anywhere man um Luke Carthy, pretty unique name. I think I share my name with uh, a, young, a young kid in the UK somewhere. I think he's about 12. So less, you might become an SEO in like 10 years and then just completely dominate my name on the surface. but <laughs> Right now, I have that to myself. So um, yeah, LukeCarthy.com. Find me on Twitter, Carthy. LinkedIn, usual places. Um, my DMs are open. I'm a pretty approachable guy, unless I meet him. Uh, don't touch him me when so, yeah, I meet him. don't share <laughs> But um, yeah, any questions you know around,
0: Cool. excellent uh, thank you so much for for joining us we really appreciate it it uh, you stayed a little bit over and we do appreciate that it was a great uh, discussion uh, and yeah. for our audience this is going to be our last episode uh, we're gonna actually take a very well-earned break uh, before the holidays and uh, we'll be back in in January so uh, thank you for uh, the listen and the support it's been great this season have a uh, uh, you know very Merry Christmas Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Have a happy holidays. Be safe. Uh, And uh, we'll get back to you uh, with new episodes again in January. Thank you so much for listening to the Page Two Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to new episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, PocketCast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, you can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time... Happy optimizing.